Hi, everybody, and welcome to the December 31st, 2021 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you for spending your New Year's Eve with us. As is our tradition, this is our special look ahead to 2022. We dressed in our finest holiday sweaters last week, so tonight we thought we'd try like a little festive, a little sparkly for the new year. Admittedly, our friend Pat Cahoon has a little bit more sparkly in her wardrobe, we thought, but she actually has some competition this year, as you will soon see with her outfits. But let's get to our very first topic. While we know COVID will be on everyone's minds next year, let's get into the fun stuff and the big statewide races for the 2022 election. Senator Michael Bennett joins Governor Polis and the rest of the state's executive officers running for re-election. Some opponents are known, like Heidi Ganahl running for governor, but the Republicans may have a bruising primary season for the U.S. Senate. Patty Calhoun from Westward, you looking at the, as we look at the major statewide races, what do you think is going to garner the most attention from this table next year? Well, it depends on who has the video cameras and is secretly recording everything, because if the Republican candidates continue, especially for governor, continue saying some of the crazy things they've been saying so far, uh, not being willing to say that actually Joe Biden won the election, hinting, you know, going both ways, uh, depending on their audience, if they can't get their act together, it's going to be a, it's certainly going to be a walk for Polis. He's not even going to need to spend billions and billions of dollars, which he has. There are just about as many candidates who look like they're running for Michael Bennett's seat, if not more. And I think it could be the same thing, where you wind up having the, just to win in the primary, you're going to have the far-right candidate who can bring out that base, get the nomination. And in that case, we're going to find more videos, and there's going to be more crazy things that have been said. And Bennett will wind up walking not quite as quickly to a victory, but he will also get it. Uh, some of the other statewide races, I think Griswold will be the most interesting, the Secretary of State's race, because she's also given people plenty of material. David Kopel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. You know, Republicans uh, have not done great at the governor's race level, I think, Reading the statistics, Governor Owens has been the last one elected in the last 50 years. Um, incumbents do not often lose. But we also look to recent statewide races. Cory Gardner showed in 2014 that a, a race can be won statewide against an incumbent Democrat. You need to run the perfect campaign, and you need your opponent to run a not-so-perfect campaign, but it can be done. And this year should be friendly for Republicans. Will it be friendly enough for any of these D positions turn R? Well, among the, the national expert forecasters, they all rate uh, Colorado's Senate seat as, as solid Democratic. But I think Michael Bennett is not going to, to take anything for granted. In, in 2010, which was a uh, big Republican year, he won by 1.5% against a strong opponent who, who made some mistakes at the end. And then in 2016, which was a very uh, good Democratic year in Colorado, uh, he won by 55 against an opponent who, who was a very good speaker uh, but didn't have much funding. So this time around, yes, it, it, it would be certainly an upset, but, but it's, it's possible. Uh, for Polis... I, I think it's – people say it's, it's obviously more likely than not that he will win. If he does, then I think he gets – Democrats should start talking about him as the nominee for president in 2024. Uh, Joe Biden's too old for the job already. Uh, vice President Harris really isn't up to being vice president, let alone uh, president. And for the others waiting in the wings, uh, Polis is much more of a common-sense Democrat than a lot of the others uh, currently on the national stage. Eric Soderman, a longtime political analyst here at PBS 12, a columnist with the Gazette newspapers and Colorado Politics. 
Um, it, maybe it's not so much as prognosticating who's going to win, but I guess, you know, going back to my question for Patty, what's going to be the most interesting race of, all, of our statewide mm-hmm. races, uh, maybe not getting the most money involved, but at least the most interest around this table? I usually say the governor's race simply because it's homegrown. It's closer to home. We care more about who runs the state than necessarily we do who goes off to Washington. Uh, but I think both of them will be high-profile races. I think the, the national pundits and analysts these days uh, rate the Bennett race as a lean Democrat, not necessarily Democratic lock or strong Democrat, particularly coming out of this year's cycle in Virginia and uh, how much Democrats might be behind the eight ball. Republicans have to draw an inside straight. And, you know, every once in a while you do get an inside straight. Cory Gardner got one. But, you know, most often for anyone who plays cards, you don't draw that inside straight. But they need a national wave that looks like it might be out there, but they need a big national wave bordering on a tsunami. Uh, And they need to make no mistakes. And they need a united party that does not shoot itself in the foot or in some other body part. Uh, And that's not long been the history of Republicans around here. Heidi Ganahl would seem to be the consensus candidate on their on the Republican side for governor, but you don't win these things on paper. And I talk to more and more people inside the Republican Party who are questioning her ability right now really to put this thing together. She's a great candidate on paper, but you win these things in the flesh and blood, and she needs to show that, uh, that moxie pretty quickly. On the Senate side, who knows who that nominee is? Maybe we'll be talking about Ron Hanks. Who knows? <laughs> it certainly could be. Rounding out the panel, Penfield Tate, a longtime state lawmaker, also attorney with Tate Law. Penn, um, we talked long, and they've earned it, uh, about some of the circular fire, firing squads that the Republicans have done for statewide races in the past with their primary seasons. But it's not as if the Democrats in Colorado are perfectly unified right now. Do you think some of our statewide candidates will run into problems with uh, just not really in a primary season, but a, uh, a, a broken-up Democratic Party between progressives and moderates and anyone in between? You know, Dominic, I, I, I don't think they will, uh, and, and not because the potential's not there. I just think the potential is greater on the Republican side that's more broken up and has got more difficulty um, getting their focus. And, and, and I will say in Colorado, I think the dynamic is different than it is nationally. In Colorado, I think the real issue is, you know, we, we, we've long had what I would call a mainstream Republican Party, and the problem it's dealing with now is the fringe element... Um, sort of focused around the former president is pushing to get a certain type of Republican nominated, which is going to create some ugly um, primary battles on the Republican side. The Democrats have their own issue with the left, the, the, the far left of their party, but it's, it's a little more muted than what you're seeing in, in the Republican Party. So I think the big races to watch will be, will be Bennett. And I believe it'll be Jenna Griswold because I think that's where the National Republican Party is going to dump a lot of money. They think they're close to taking over the Senate, closer than the U.S. House, so they'll put a lot of money there. And if they get a worthwhile candidate, they'll put money behind that to try to unseat Bennett. And I think they've been going after secretaries of state around the country. And Jenna Griswold has been high profile, and I think they'll come after her. I think the wild card is going to be what this U.S. Supreme Court does, because I think some of the pronouncements they're getting ready to hand down are going to further polarize the country, and it's going to make it different, difficult, I think, for some Republicans to run, because they're going to have to distance themselves from the U.S. Supreme Court. And likely energize a base one way or the other. Absolutely. 
Thanks to Colorado's growth and the work for the Independent Redistricting Commission, one of the most highly anticipated congressional races will be in the newly created CD8 in the northern part of the metro area. CD8 is Colorado's most competitive district on paper, and many candidates on both sides of the aisle are lining up. The seven congressional incumbents are not expected to face much of a battle to retain their seats in 2022. David, what do you think about CD8? I mean, on paper, and frankly, all the different pundits looking at it say this is really up for grabs. Do you agree? Yes, and that, that's what the, the national folks say, too, like inside elections or Larry Sabato's crystal ball. All right, uh, this is a toss-up. On the Democratic side, I think we have four announced candidates in there. Uh, the one who has the strongest record coming into us, having won in the, in the broadest constituency, is the Adams County uh, Commissioner uh, Charles uh, Tedesco. The district is is mainly um, Adams County and, and, and Weld County, uh, and then with a, a little bit of Larimer. On the Republican side, there are all you know several already in, and people are wondering if State Senator Kevin Priola will come in. He's been able to win in a swing district before in a tough race. He's uh, a, a moderate Republican, and there's a lot of conventional wisdom that he could be the strongest uh, candidate. But even some of the national people say that if this is a Republican year, then somebody who's more of a hardcore conservative, uh, like Weld County Commissioner Lori Sane, uh, might have a chance of winning. The district is 39 percent Hispanic. Uh, and there will be a big battle for that vote. And, of course, Hispanics, like any art, large group, are diverse. Those who self-identify as Latinxes are going to go on the Democratic side, and the Republicans may be able to make pretty big inroads with the, those who identify as patriotic, hardworking Americans striving for the American dream. Uh, they've done that in Pueblo, and uh, it may happen in this district, too. Eric, uh, CD8, I think, is going to be a lot of fun to watch for us around this table. And the, the wise minds here can correct me if I'm wrong, but if I think, if I'm remembering right, the last time we had a brand-new congressional district was CD7, and that race was supposed to be even on paper. Did that come down to about 121 votes that Beaupre <coughs> won uh, that seat? So this could be a nail-biter, maybe not 121 vote but a nail-biter, but do you expect that kind of competition in CD8 this year? Good memory, Dominic. I think the number was 121. It was 120-something. The candidates were Bob Beaupre, who won it over Mike Feely by that margin after weeks and weeks of recounting. Yes, this one could be that contested. Uh, When you talk about Republican opportunity this year in this state, and particularly given the national tide and given how far Republicans have fallen in Colorado, the discussion has to start with CD8. That is prime opportunity. If they do not win CD8, their chances of winning a governorship or a U.S. Senate race or even some of those down-ballot state races, Secretary of State, et cetera, are pretty slim. The opportunity starts in CD8 uh, if there is ever to be a serious Republican comeback in this state. The Republicans would be well advised to look at somebody like Kevin Priola, as David mentioned, proven vote-getter and a moderate who has some bipartisan, more than some, a, a substantial amount, a bipartisan appeal. The question is, can he get through a primary? Because there are a lot of Republicans out there who think he's not Trumpian enough or whatever. And do the knives come out for somebody like Priola? I don't see Lori Sane necessarily being the answer. I think she has, she struggles to win that district as being too far right. But uh, uh, former well commissioner Barb Kirkmeyer, who's now a state senator, I believe, is in the race, attracting a lot of support. I think you know either Kirkmeyer or Priola could be the Republican candidate. 
and uh, maybe the betting favorite to win that thing. Penn, in a big primary that you're going to see on both sides, we have seen, like I think in the last topic we mentioned, Daryl Glenn, that you don't need to win 50%. You just need to beat the pack. And if the pack is big, your winning margin can be even smaller. If you can secure 25 27%, you can walk away with the, with the nomination. Do you think that's what we're going to see in, these primary, in the primary races for CD8 this year? I, I absolutely do. And, and I think this goes back to the question of the, your, your point of the prior question. This is where the the, the stratification or the splitting within the, the parties matters the most. This is where it's going to play out. Um, Eric's right. This is a prime opportunity for Republicans to pick up a congressional seat if they nominate the right candidate and if they run against the right Democratic opponent. Um, if their far-right um, faction drives who the nominee is, I'm not convinced they can beat any of the Democratic candidates in this district, particularly given the, the, the ethnic composition of, of the district. I just don't see that happening. Um, so they've got to find um, a moderate they can live with and then hope the Democrats stumble along the way uh, and, 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 and inflict their own wounds upon each other. But I think this is where we'll see that whole dynamic that's going to play out on a larger scale on a national level play out here in Colorado. And it may have some, some ripple effect in terms of how some of the other elections flow based on who gets nominated. Patty, another exciting element for me is that we are very likely to get somebody not new to politics in Colorado, but certainly new to, I think, this level of this, this stage. We've had people who have had long careers doing civil, civic work, but these aren't the typical names we've heard in other big races. There's Romanoff and Brockler and people like that. This is, these are faces that have done well in local politics, but they're gonna, this is a brand new stage. So a brand new player on both sides. What do you think is going to be some of the fun fireworks from CD8 this year? Well, there's no question Lori Sane is going to be fun. To, to She was fun to write about when she was in the legislature, and not in a good way, but fun to write about. She's already causing waves in Weld County, which is no longer putting health COVID-related health reports on its website because of complaints in Weld County. So if she winds up getting the nomination, not impossible. The way you will split the primary, she could easily come in with 25% of the far-right support. You know, that would be a wild race. I don't think she would ultimately win, but it would certainly be a winner for those who have to cover politics. Eric would be very busy writing his columns. You know, Eric mentioned Ron Hanks, I mean, if Ron Hanks actually winds up getting a nomination, that will be a fun one to write about. But we also have some kamikaze missions. We have a potential Republican challenger for Boebert, also one looking at Lamborn. So it's going to be an interesting primary season. The, I think you raised that uh, phrase that correctly with uh, kamikaze missions. It's like a, it, uh, they don't usually go well, but surprises have happened. Uh, I think uh, Scott Tipton would be happy to let you know how those sometimes go. <laughs> While the general election 2022 will garner most of the headlines, the upcoming municipal election in Denver in the spring of 2023 will likely make some headlines of its own in 2022. With Michael Hancock term limited, we will have a new mayor in the summer of 2023, and the race for that position will start in earnest in 2022. Eric, we've kicked around a couple city issues in this table uh, from time to time. So uh, while this is probably a later 2022 issue, we're certainly going to be talking around this table. You wrote a great column about some of the names you think are out there, which may or may not eventually be on that list. Your thoughts of where that conversation is going to go uh, for us in 2022? I think it's going to be a lively conversation. I think it will, you know, no, it's not going to compete with the governor's race and the Senate race and CD8. 
for most of the attention in advance of November, but we will talk about it around this table more than once as this ramps up. Uh, as I stated in my column a, a couple weeks ago, viewers can go find it on the Colorado Politics website. Uh, you know, Hancock's third term has been a troubled term. Uh, the way I put it was uh, Hancock's third term is the conclusive argument against third terms. I think, you know, the two terms for an executive is probably plenty. Uh, before we even get into names, I think it's what does the city want? My read is that the city is a tired place right now. Obviously tired of the pandemic, tired of COVID, but tired of a lot of other situations as well. Tired of the ongoing mess at the airport, tired of uh, the ramp up and encampments and the seeming intractability of that problem, tired of what's become of downtown, uh, tired of a lot of, uh, as we talked about on a previous show, tired of the es escalating crime. I think anyone who can put that together, articulate that frustration, but articulate it and turn it into a positive agenda um, will serve themselves very well. And I'm not even sure we know to get the name of the ultimate winner. At this point in time, 16 months ahead of the tw 2003 election, I'm not sure we would have been talking about John Hickenlooper. It's true. Penn, the, the run for Denver mayor is really entertaining. You have experience in this. Walk us through a little bit about how the timeline goes, because it's something where you can't run too early because then it gets a little stale. You can't run too late or you're not going to have enough fundraising to uh, effectively compete against a, probably a big crowd citywide. Wh what is that right balance? How, when, does it, when is it going to get hot? All in the face of a big general election, it's going to suck up a lot of oxygen. Yeah, the big general election not only sucks up a lot of oxygen, it sucks up a lot of the money. Uh, and when you talk about money, the other thing that's going to be interesting that no one can, I think, predict at this point is Denver voters um, put into effect a new campaign finance structure for municipal elections um, that has a component that some of it's publicly financed, but you also have to sign up for campaign contribution limits. That's going to change the dynamic in that, from a financial point of view, it's more feasible it becomes financially more feasible for candidates who may not be well known to jump into the race and to stay relevant for a period of time. Uh, but at this point, you know, what you're doing is you're, you're talking to people, you're assessing issues, and you're beginning to develop what you think your message will be. And Eric's right. You know, you've got to spend time talking with people, finding out what people care about, what they want, and what concerns them. Because at the local level, people are looking for someone who they believe can solve problems. And mercy knows we have a lot of problems in Denver that need to be solved. Um, and, and, and among crime, the plight of the unhoused, the lack of affordable housing, what has become of downtown, traffic congestion, there's a laundry list of issues. Uh, but the real key is going to be finding the person who can navigate through that and actually has the background, the experience, and the vision to convince people they can begin to solve these problems. Because I think what, after 12 years, people are going to want a change. Patty, there are a lot of issues that come into the play. We've seen the big ones, homelessness and expansion and airport, all that kind of stuff. We've also seen parking meters uh, win a mayor's race. Uh, not that we know exactly what issue is going to win, but if you had to pick, get you know, advice to a candidate, should they stay focused and find the parking meter issue of 2022, or do they tackle something as big as homelessness or growth or the airport? Where, where should they go? Well, and parking meters are doubling in January, so we'll see if that's what people want to complain about. 
I think what concerns people now, there are big issues out there, but people used to feel like Denver was special, that we were living in somewhere special, and I feel like Denver has lost its mojo lately. People are tired of the problems that are going on. So someone who can come out and energize, energize the base, say, yeah, there are problems. We can solve these, and we can become special again, and I think that's what we're looking for. It's almost like a Hickenlooper in the sense that it's someone who's done a business, maybe, or is not coming from a standard political background. But on the other hand, the limits on campaign finance, that's great for people who want to maybe come from a side run, but you've got to, maybe, you've got to plan earlier because you're going to have to have a better ground game. You're not going to be able to buy your way in. You're going to have to get people out there working for you. I don't think we've heard the name yet who will be the ultimate mayor. Um, remember, Hickenlooper really didn't announce until January, four months before the first vote. He certainly was working on his ground game before then. But we're going to see someone who can energize the city will be the next mayor. Dave, let's pick up where Patty left off. Are we going to be talking about the individual's name uh, who will be our next mayor in 2022? Or is that going to be a 2023 problem? Impossible to say. Of course, Hickenlooper did come out of nowhere. And by the way, after those great ads on parking meters, he did not solve the problem and, in fact, made the parking meters worse. Uh, You can have years when it's very aspirational. Uh, Federico Pena in 1983, imagined a great city. Uh, Michael Hancock's immensely grandiose visions. And last, last election, there was a lot of concern about the livability of Denver as a city, and much of which had to do with, with development and, and rising housing prices. But I, I expect that the next mayoral election is going to get to a much more basic issue of livability, which is a safe city. Denver is not a safe city. Crime is way up. Vagrancy is way up. You know, our Independence Institute offices are in uh, downtown Denver or up, uptown Denver. Uh, the safety you feel walking three blocks from the office has drastically declined under the Hancock administration. And I think the next mayor will be somebody who has credible plans to address that problem. We've been chatting with our predictions of these last uh, three topics, but so we only give ourselves just a little bit of time here for we can't do a disgrace of the week and say something nice because. Well, we just don't know what's going to happen. But we can take some time for predictions that are sure to go wrong. So we start with one, a global or national prediction, and then we'll go to something local. So, Patty, we'll start with you, your global or national prediction for 2022. That Lauren Boebert will never be invited to be on The View. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's low-hanging fruit there. That that, that one's pretty easy. Okay. Uh, David, your global or national prediction? Well, globally, not a certainty, but an increasingly likelihood is is war. Uh, Putin's massing his forces uh, on the uh, uh, Ukrainian borders. Uh, Xi Jinping, not not content with genocide in in Xinjiang, is uh, talking about invading Taiwan. And the Iranian regime is even right now, just weeks away uh, from a nuclear breakout, and not to mention the huge boost that the jihadis all over the world uh, in their war against all civilization globally uh, got from their, and will get from their base in Afghanistan. Eric, your global or national prediction? Well, I wish I could disagree with David, but unfortunately I can't. The U.S. these days may not really want to be part of the world stage, but the world stage is going to require the U.S. to be an active part of it over the next year. My prediction is that we will be taping this show at this time next year, 
and we will probably still be talking about Joe Biden and uh, Joe Manchin being very close to an agreement, and we're just that close about Build Back Better, and just another few weeks and we'll get there. It seems to me we have seen the grand agreement that we're going to see. <laughs> Everything else is, seems like a whole lot of uh, a window dressing. Penn, your global or national prediction? Uh, you know, we, um, with the last presidential administration, we lost our prominence on the national stage. Biden is trying to regain that. I'm not certain if he can just because of the internal polarization and strife. And what I predict is, regrettably, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I am really concerned about what the U.S. Supreme Court has done and is signaling it will do on a key host of issues. I think they're going to further drive a political wedge in this country with some pronouncements that, although they comport to their political view of the world, I think are no longer reflective of where most Americans are on a host of issues. And I think that's going to drive uh, a number of issues for this presidential administration and for Congress, quite frankly. I'll jump in the fun, too. I'm usually a pretty positive guy, but I, you know, getting to David's point, I happen to uh, agree with the danger out there and that there's this other big country that's a player in, with billions of people in India right there by China. And a whole, there's a whole lot of things going on. And while history doesn't repeat itself, it rhymes. Uh, I've done a, been doing a whole lot of reading of about 100 years ago and gets a little bit nervous for uh, 2022. Time to say a local prediction. doesn't need to be rosier, but a local prediction. Patty. Well, I'm going to continue to be shallow. Uh, it's, if you watch the hoopla over Meow Wolf opening this year, just wait for the Casa Bonita takeover by the South Park people. That is our most read story of the year. That will give Lakewood some mojo, since technically it's not in Denver. But that is going to be the hot ticket, and that is going to be what everyone's talking about next summer, maybe while we're at war. David. The Colorado Rockies will not win the World Series. The Denver Public Schools will continue to decline because of its poor administrative and board leadership. And the legislature, despite having a budget over $40 billion, will complain it doesn't have enough of other people's money to spend and will find more ways to extract money from people without their consent in violation of our taxpayers' Bill of Rights. Some predictions are safer than others. Eric. It will snow again in the new year, at least once this winter, one more time at least. Uh, And on some 95-degree day in mid or late June, there'll be a Stanley Cup parade through downtown Denver. Here, here. Ben. You're right on that last one. Um, (laughs) What I think we'll see is I think the tension between Denver City Council and the mayoral administration will accelerate and increase because I think we've got an administration that's looking to somehow establish a legacy on the way out the door and a city council that is probably going to start pushing back because they're up for re-election also. Now I'll chime in the local prediction. I think you know, we talked about a lot of the maybe problems coming out of there, but I think there's an opportunity for some real positive things to come out of the city of Aurora. It is growing into its own, and it can really show the way, especially with diversity. It is the most diverse city in the, the, the state, and there are some uh, lessons to be learned in a positive way there. Hopefully they can shine that light in 2022. That is all the time we have tonight. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you have enjoyed our glimpse into the crystal ball for 2022. We are so grateful for your lasting support of all of our viewers and hope to see you right here for another year of fun in 2022. I'm Dominic Dizzuti. From all of us at PBS 12, we hope you all have a happy and healthy new year. Good night.